Praise God, everybody. Come on, give God a hand of praise today. We greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love. God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Oh, God, come on, we can do better than that. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord today. We're grateful and thankful that the Lord has allowed our moments to roll on just a little while longer. And to those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web, let me thank you for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us today, allowing us into your space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to continue to be all that God wants you to be. Now, remember, you're not watching to make me a big preacher, to make us a big church. We're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian you can possibly be. So like us, love us, share us with family members and friends, and let them know there's never been a better time for hope. Man, I am so grateful and thankful. This past week has been a really, really interesting week. Uh, I've had an opportunity to share with pastors from around the country earlier this week, work with some churches locally in the middle of the week, and was fighting a cold all week long. And so I got a little uh, congestion you can probably hear, but we're going to go on and press on and see what the end is going to be. Amen? Amen. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Man, we are so excited. We are in week five of our winter discipleship session, Rooted and Grounded and Purpose Driven Life. We're so grateful and thankful to all of you who have made the commitment to help come to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus. I'm so excited at what God is doing in the life of our church. 61% of the people who have joined our church this year have joined giving their life to the Lord as candidates for baptism. We're talking about teenagers on up through adults, and that's a blessing. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that. And as we serve, as we share our faith, show the love of God to others, uh, we're seeing God do what we cannot do, and that's bring people to a saving knowledge of him. I want to shout out our men on yesterday, 100 men serving all over the community. Um, they were serving here at the food pantry. There were several groups that were down at the Beacon serving on yesterday, the day center, homeless day center. There were those who were serving at the Open Door Mission um, working with men there. And uh, I think we, we set a goal as 100 men. I think we got right at 90 men who came out. Any of the brothers who went out, uh, would you stand if you are here this morning? Any of the men who went out and served? Come on, let's thank God for these brothers. Remember, uh, your faith is activated when you live out the truth that you have learned. It's not enough to learn it. Uh, the shift that we've made from discipleship as a program to discipleship as our culture is rooted in living out what you're learning. Uh, a lot of Christians think if they are just professional students that they will be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. But you got to put that faith into action. James said it like this, faith without works is what? is dead. You've got to put it into action. You've got to, Paul said, work out your soul salvation. There ought to be some evidence of your salvation in everything 
that you do and everything that you say. And uh, we're thankful to God for those testimonies. Speaking of testimonies, I want you to hear our rooted testimony today, uh, our RNG testimony, just talking about the difference that committing to being a disciple and making a disciple, the difference that it can make in your life. What I truly got out of Rooted and Grounded was consistency, staying consistent in my life. A lot of times we, you know, we show up late to work or we show up late to family and friends. And my problem was I was showing up late in all aspects, including with God. And so I had to learn to stop showing up late to where God is and to be on time for God because he is the only person that could supply my needs. Um, being consistent helped me in life right? Because family will fall off, friends will fall off, um, work, you may get fired. But staying consistent with God is truly the one thing in my life that I knew I need to stand firm in and believe that God has me in all aspects of my life, no matter what is going on. Because it was always, okay, I got to make this, I got to make this. But when do we ever stop and say, I got to do this for God? Because once we start Thinking about God and putting God first, everything else will follow. Um, so consistency was something I learned most important of all because now in my life, I prioritize God first, which means that I'm able to prioritize myself and my needs and my self-care. And then that trickles down into the rest of my life. We love to be on time for that party. Well, let's be on time for God. Let's show up in that way with God. Let's give that same energy that we give to our family and our friends and to strangers on the street. Let's show up that same way with God because he does it with us every day unwaveringly. And we don't do it for him. And it, it helped me to stay in a consistent manner with him where I pray more. I, I live through, I breathe the things that he wants me to breathe in when it comes to, you know, spiritual life, when it comes to, in my Bible, when it comes to speaking to people about what he's done for me. I used to be ashamed of, of my life with, when it came to God, but now I'm not. I'm, I'm strong in that. I believe in the things that he is doing for me. I believe that God is continuously bringing people into my life that will shape it ultimately. And that's what Rooted and Grounded did. God being consistent in my life is the only thing that's, honestly, I stand firm in. Everything else will wither. Life will go as it will. You may lose your job. Family may fall off, even friends. But God is the only person that I want to stay consistent with in my life. So Rooted and Grounded definitely taught me that. Miss Donna, Miss Wanda, they're consistently in my life even now. We talk on a regular. Um, the people in my group, we have our own little chat together where we still send each other birthday wishes and, and holiday wishes. And I, and I love it because I've never had that consistency, but it started with God. God is the foundation and everything else around it is just sweetness on top. <laughs> Come on, let's thank God for Sister Bianca sharing her testimony. Um, if you have not gotten started on your discipleship journey, remember you have three years if you're a member of this church to get started on your journey. And, um, and that's our commitment. If you want to participate in church attainment, um, then we got a church that we can recommend to you. But here, uh, we're committed 
to being disciples and to making disciples. Amen? Amen. And we're grateful to the Lord for that. Now, our PDL groups, you're taking a week off from your reading this week. Uh, This week, we're going to be focusing on uh, there is an enemy, and I'm doing this for everybody this week and specifically around strongholds again. Uh, and I'll share with you why we're doing that. You have a very extensive outline today. Those of you who are in your PDL groups, you will be doing the stronghold study this week. And that's why I made that outline uh, so extensive for you. So you will have that available, not just for this week, but you'll be able to refer back to it. Um, I've added some things to it and uh, edited some things. So I'm praying that it will be a great, great week, not just this week, but over the next couple of weeks. I don't think we'll be able to get through everything today, um, but we're trusting God and we'll, we'll follow the timeline. Man, I just feel like hearing some, uh, some good old singing. And since I can't sing, uh, I asked Reverend Cameron to come on and give us a song today. Come on, man. We're happy to have our youth and young adult pastor in the house with us today. Come on, let's thank God for him. Man, our young people have been doing a tremendous job. And uh, I told him, I said, man, you got, you got a song in you today. I need, I need to hear one of them old hymns today. So uh, come on, y'all thank God for Pastor Cameron Jenkins. Amen. Black History Month. Where I'm from, they call this a hymn of preparation. Amen. Amen. Hymn of preparation meant that preaching was about to take place. And uh, we do have a mighty fine preacher pastor in our pastor. Can we give God praise for him? I must tell Jesus. All of my trials, trials, I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he can. Lee will help me. Savior, 
one who can help my burdens too bad I must tell Jesus I, I, I must tell Jesus he all my cares and sorrow will will share I must tell Jesus oh I must tell Jesus I cannot bear all of these burdens alone oh I must tell Jesus I gotta run on Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that all that we do and say will be pleasing in your sight. Pray that it will help somebody who needs you to know you. And pray that it will help somebody who knows you to grow in you so they may help somebody else know you. 
We give you glory and honor, and we ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. So a member of our church came to me after a specific sermon to tell me how much she was blessed by the sermon. And after we exchanged some words, uh, she began to share with me that she was struggling in some areas that she was concerned about. Now, I need to admit to you, I was somewhat surprised because looking at her and her family from the outside, there was no evidence that there was any struggle in her life. And as she began to talk, she began to get more emotional and then finally confessed uh, without any prompting that she was having so many problems that she was having trouble sleeping and found herself drinking almost a bottle of wine a night just to be able to go to sleep. I began to think to myself as I listened to her share her struggles, share her Uh, pain, how many people come to church looking good on the outside, but really struggling on the inside? How many of us come to church on Sunday walking in the cliches of I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, and and all of those things, too blessed to be stressed, and, and every other Christian cliche you could come up with, but deep down on the inside, we're struggling trying to figure out this thing called life. My brothers and sisters, what's evident, what's clear to me is that all of us are battling with something. Um, What do you do when you're struggling to overcome things that are holding you back or that are keeping you down? Uh, In our rooted study this week and our pause in purpose-driven life, Um, the declaration is made that there is an enemy. Uh, It's not posed as a question. It's not uh, asking, do you have an enemy? The text is very clear. Our study is very clear that you have an enemy. Uh, You are in a battle. And so today I want to talk about how, how to overcome the strongholds in your life, how to overcome the strongholds in your life. Now, I need you to understand that this sermon is not an accidental repeat. Uh, You are not experiencing a remake of Groundhog Day, the movie Church Edition. Uh, I shared this message in October of last year, and we shared it earlier as part of our Rooted series. But over this past week, Man, God just took me to a place in this message that really gave me some new insight into what it means to do battle with your stronghold. So I went back and revised some things. And here's the primary reason, because here's what I discovered. While some of us over the past several months were able to identify our strongholds, many of us are still battling our strongholds. And one of the reasons we're battling our strongholds, I submit to you, is that we are, listen carefully, looking at and fighting symptoms instead of dealing with and digging up the root cause. See, when you look at your symptoms, for example, 
fear or bitterness or anger. Those are symptomatic of some things that I think many of us have been dealing with for a long time. We just have not been able to put a handle on it. But now, when I think about it, I recognize, as I shared with you before, that for most of us, our strongholds came into our life before we knew Jesus, not after. They have been manifested themselves, and they've taken various shapes. They've shown up in various iterations in our day-to-day living, but these are things, man, that we've been wrestling with for a long time. If you have your outline, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. For those of you who are watching, you can download the outline on our app and fill in the blank on our app, or you can go to our website. Colossians 1.13 says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Your salvation is needed. It is necessary. It is the first step in your walk with God to move you from darkness into his marvelous light. But let me say something with you today. Just being saved, being a Christian, is not enough to guarantee that you will walk in the freedom God makes available to you. In other words, just because you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the freedom that God has for you is available. You can access it, but it does not necessarily mean you will acquire it. Because God says there's some things in your life that you have to be willing to deal with And sometimes, listen carefully, you've got to go back and deal with and address things from your past in order to set yourself free in your present. Salvation is the first step, but sanctification is the second step. And how do you make that commitment to become all that God wants you to be so that God can deliver you from the strongholds that are holding you back and keeping you from allowing God to rule and reign over your life. Here's the first thing that I want you to see. Number one, you need to realize you have strongholds in your life. It is, I think, safe to say all of us have some strongholds that we are dealing with. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Uh, This passage reveals what spiritual warfare is all about. The Corinthians judge Paul's ministry and the Christian life by the outward appearance missing completely the power that was to operate within them. They, they felt as if, if they showed it and it was evident on the outside that that was enough. And Paul says, no, there's some stuff that you've got to do battle with on the inside because it's not enough to look it if you really can't live it. Paul wanted them to know that you cannot fight spiritual battles with carnal weapons, but he did want them to know they were in a battle. Um, There are times, consciously or not, 
when we allow our enemy, the adversary, to have authority and position in our lives that he should not have to set up a spiritual stranglehold and stronghold in our life. And the Bible calls those strongholds. When we let the devil have his way, the Bible says those are strongholds. Now, the word stronghold is an interesting word because in the original language, it literally uh, means a fortress or a castle, so to speak. It's used metaphorically in 2 Corinthians 10.4 of those things uh, which, uh, in essence, hold us in or keep out those things that we need to have in our lives. He says many of us are restricted in fulfilling our potential in God because of the strongholds that are present in our life. And and here's what I need you to understand. A stronghold is more than sin. It's an area in your life where a planted sin has taken root in your spirit So much so that it affects who you are, how you think, and what you do, continuing to give Satan power in that area of your life to cause you to live far below God's intended purpose for your life. Let me say it again. That's a mouthful. A stronghold is more than sin. It's an area in your life where planted sin has taken root in your spirit. It may not be a sin you committed. It usually is a sin that has been committed against you. But that sin has taken root in your spirit so much so that it affects who you are, how you think, and what you do, continuing to give Satan power in that area of your life to cause you to live far below God's intended purpose for your life. See, a stronghold will restrict you from fulfilling your potential in God and keep you sinning in your thoughts, words, and deeds. You need to realize you have a stronghold. I know some of you think you're really spiritual, kind of uber spiritual, and you fast and pray, and you pray and fast, and you know you ain't got no strongholds in your life. Can I tell you something about a stronghold? I have learned that strongholds can be with you so long, you start thinking they're part of your personality. You start thinking it's your person. You start thinking this is who God intended you to be. And I need somebody to understand that the devil does not wait until you become an adult to attack you. When the devil sees something in your life that you don't see, the devil will not only attack you when you're an adult, the devil will attack you when you are a child. The devil will attack you when you are a teenager. And many of the strongholds we are dealing with were implanted in us when we were children. And they have shaped us because of somebody else's stronghold. Here's the second thing, and I'm going to try to get through number two, and we'll probably pick up the rest of these on next week. Number two, you need to realize the root cause of many of your strongholds is unresolved pain from your past. Unresolved pain from your past. Now, can I tell you something? It doesn't matter how old you are. All of us have a past. And you might have learned how to get through it but you've never taken the time to get over it. See, you know what's wrong with you. 
You know what's wrong with humanity at its base is called sin. But here's the problem. While we are quick to identify what's wrong with somebody, we do not ask what happened to somebody. What what was it that they went through that caused them to get to the place that they are to become the person that they are? What have you gone through in your life traumatic that has shaped you and molded you into who you are? See, strongholds are the symptoms while the pain from your past is the root cause behind your strongholds. Look at Psalm 88, verse 15. Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Now, when you get home, I want you to read the entirety of Psalm 88. Uh, This is the last sons of Korah psalm in the psalms. Uh, The psalmist is crying out to God day and night because he is troubled to the depths of his soul, feeling like he is going through hell on earth with no strength and no relief in sight. Uh, We don't know what this affliction was that came upon this young man, but it came to him early in life. And I don't know about you, but it's painful to think that He suffered all his life long, all day long, and could never get relief. But the truth of the matter is, there's somebody in here right now. You've been suffering more of your years being alive than you have not been suffering. Some stuff you have pushed in the closet. Some stuff you have tried to sweep under the rug, but you still have not dealt with it. This this writer could not even look back on a time in his life when he enjoyed good health, when he felt he was in a good place. Uh, The text suggests that he was always in darkness. He was always feeling like death was nearby. Uh, Verses 7, 16 and 17 says he, he felt like he was drowning with no one close enough to rescue him. And here's what's interesting about this psalm. Unlike other psalms, uh, what stands out in this psalm is that it ends with the word darkness. Unlike other psalms, there is no closing note of praise in this psalm. There is no rejoicing at the end of this psalm. No, this psalm simply chronicles his pain and his problems from a young age throughout his life. Now, someone under the sound of my voice, maybe you can identify with that, that that feeling of perpetual pain in your life, this kind of pain that can open the door to a stronghold coming in, uh, that can uh, solidify a stronghold in your life. And and, and I want to give you some examples today uh, of some strongholds. I I came across something this past week. Um, Some of you will be familiar with this. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, adverse child experience, adverse childhood experiences, they're called ACEs, uh, are potentially traumatic events that occur in childhood in people 0 to 17 years of age. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. For example, if they experience 
violence, abuse, or neglect. If they witness violence in the home or in the community. Uh, If a child is in an environment where they do not feel safe, stable, or unable to bond with the adults that they are supposed to bond with. Uh, They can grow up in a household, for for example, with substance use problems, mental health problems, instability due to parental separation, or household members being in jail or prison. Now, this is not a complete list, but, but here's what the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says. When you suffer from adverse childhood experiences, it not only affects you as a child, but it can set the course for your life as an adult. And just in case you're wondering if you have suffered from one, here are some of the numbers. 64% of adults have had at least one adverse childhood experience. 25% have had three or more. 17.3% have experienced four or more. And adverse childhood experiences are experienced in all socioeconomic groups, especially low-income groups, among females and among people of color. How does that manifest itself? Well, according to the Center for Disease Control, if you have suffered from a number of adverse childhood experiences, uh, you are two times more likely to smoke, two and a half times more likely to have an STD, four times more likely to have heart trouble, seven times more likely to be an alcoholic, and 10 times more likely to use illicit drugs. See, I, I know some people are like, is it nature or nurture? You know, is it, is it because I was born in sin or I grew up in a sinful environment? And I, my answer is yes. Yes. All of that can affect us. Think about this. They estimate that ACEs cause up to 1.9 million heart disease cases and 21 million cases of depression because we have not unresolved the issues from our past. I was talking to a person not long ago, completely debilitated by rheumatoid arthritis and manifestations of stress in her life. And when I was talking to her, all she could talk about was her childhood and how she was teased by her siblings and teased by kids in the neighborhood and and how painful and hurtful it is. And this is a woman who has grandchildren who is still living out of the pain from her past childhood. My brothers and my sisters, that opens the door for strongholds to be established in your life. And don't make the mistake of thinking because you've gotten past it, you've gotten over it. Listen, it affects uh, physiologically your brain development, your immunity, your stress response systems. But it also affects you sociologically because it causes trouble in forming healthy and stable relationships, having good work histories, struggle with finances, jobs, depression throughout your life.
He says, we, we got to learn that we just can't move on without resolving what has impacted us. How many of y'all know at least one person who has had an adverse childhood experience in their lives? At least one person. I'm, I didn't ask if you did. Some of y'all don't want to raise your hand. I said, if you know somebody, amen. Maybe the person next to you, right? And most of us can raise both hands. Matter of fact, most of us have experienced so many adverse childhood experiences that we thank God that we're still in our right mind, or at least a portion of it right now. Have I got a witness in here anywhere? I mean, when you look back over your life and you see all that you've been through, it was nobody but God that got you through. He says, you got to understand what the root of this thing is. Let's go to number three. Let's go to number three. I told you, number one, you need to realize you have strongholds in your life. Number two, you need to realize the root cause of your strongholds is unresolved pain from your past. Here's the third thing. Number three, you must battle your strongholds every day of your life. Everybody say battle. Battle. You must battle your strongholds every day of your life. The text says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You are in a war right now. You are fighting right now. You've got to make a decision to battle your strongholds. Now, can I tell you something about a stronghold? Some of you have already experienced it because you testified to me about this. Even when you identify it, and you do battle against it, it doesn't mean it's destroyed. How many of y'all know a stronghold will pop back up, man? Listen, you go through something, it'll trigger, and you'll be like, whoop, you'll be right back in that place. You'll be like, hold on, I thought I had gotten over this thing. I had prayed about it. I fasted. I prayed and fasted. I've been reading my Bible. I've been doing better. How in the world did this thing come back up? So let me confess to you. About three weeks ago, I told you all, one of the strongholds that I've wrestled with my entire life is rejection and the fear of rejection. Um, I, can, I can go to very, very clear instances where I was rejected and that rejection took hold in my life and it's affected me throughout my life, even in my ministry. And I was scheduled to go talk to somebody about something and y'all, I started having all these second thoughts. And I'm trying to figure out why am I having these second thoughts? Why am I talking myself out of it? Why, why am I the one that's keeping me from doing what I believe God has called me to do? And then it hit me. I recognized, man, I'm dealing with this stronghold of rejection. And that stronghold of rejection, even after preaching on how to overcome your strongholds, I'm trying to help somebody today. Even after studying it, even after exegeting the passage, I'm still dealing with that stronghold. Because it'll still pop up. You are in a battle with your strongholds. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, 
against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are, if we're serious about overcoming our strongholds, we are in constant conflict. Somebody said, with whom? Look at A. Realize you are in a battle with the devil. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, there are typically two extremes when it comes to the devil. There are those who don't believe the devil exists. They believe it's a figment of your imagination. They believe, if anything, he's running around on cartoons with a pitchfork and pointy ears and pointy tail. And then there's the other extreme of people who see the devil everywhere, in everything. He's in the refrigerator, he in the stove, he in everything. They, they, I mean, the devil is, is vexing the electronics. They want to lay hands on the electronics because it's the devil that's doing it, right? Listen to me carefully. The Bible says that the devil is real. He is our accuser. He is our slanderer. He is the one that wants to uh, pull you down, wants to, watch this, if he can't destroy you, he wants to debilitate you. If he can't take you out, he at least wants to take you out of the Christian life. He wants to render your testimony null and void. He wants to make you an impotent Christian. That's why in Ephesians 4.27, the text says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Give him no opportunity. Give him no chance. But look at B. Realize you are in a spiritual battle with your flesh. You are in a spiritual battle with your flesh, y'all. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God. <coughs> in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? We're always doing battle with the flesh because the flesh is comfortable with those strongholds because they've been with us so long. I'm at home with my stronghold. I love my stronghold. My stronghold loves me. We got a relationship. We've been together a long time. I'm comfortable with him. I'm comfortable with her. See, I use that to justify my inactivity. I use my stronghold to justify my lack of productivity. I use my stronghold to justify my not fulfilling God's potential in my life. I'm in a battle with the flesh. And that's always the case. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Here, see, realize you are in a spiritual battle with your past. You are in a spiritual battle with your past. Paul says in Philippians 3.13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind 
and straining forward to what lies ahead. You cannot allow the past to hold you down or hold you back from getting where God wants you to be. You see, your sin nature didn't go away when you gave your life to Jesus. Your damaged self, the past part of you that was injured, that part of you that endured hurts and hangups, that part of you that lived out destructive habits, that hurt child and mistreated adult living inside of you still wants its pain, still wants its desires recognized and gratified. And God says, no, you got to battle it. Matter of fact, can I go one step further? Then I'm going to let you go. Stop requiring other people to accept your stronghold as the norm. Stop expecting other people to accept it. Talking about that's just who you are. Some of y'all are holding on to stuff that God wants to release you from. Talking about, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I ain't seen you barking lately. And your diet is not made up of kibbles and bits. God says, you got to do battle with it. Watch this. Don't make other people battle with what you don't want to battle with. You want me to battle with your stronghold, with your insecurities. You want me to battle with your bitterness, with your anger. You want me to have to adjust to deal with your strongholds instead of you battling with it and taking care of your issue yourself. Bible says that we have to be willing to fight. Fight for our own inner peace. Fight for our own inner sanity. Fight for our relationships with others and with God so that ultimately our life will be pleasing to him. And all the people said amen. Father, we bless you and we thank you for today. I pray now, God, that as we hear, we would not just be hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. Uh, I pray for somebody today, God, who may have received today new insight on what they've been struggling with, what they've been wrestling with, what they have been dealing with. Um, I pray, God, that with the help of your Holy Spirit, uh, you will show them the way. Uh, For somebody, the key may be forgiveness. And they may have already started on the journey, God, but they just need to go further. For somebody else, uh, it may just be claiming the peace that you have for them. For somebody else, it means embracing your unconditional love for them 
and them being able to give that love to somebody else. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would move by your spirit and have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As uh, Pastor Bill comes to give us the invitation to discipleship, I want to encourage somebody today to make that step, uh, make that step in your life, to go to that next level in your life. Um, I was cleaning out my closet on one occasion, and you know, when you clean out your closet, um, you kind of create a pile of stuff that definitely stays. Stuff that you haven't been using lately, but you're going to use, that's another pile. And then the stuff that you just not going to use, haven't used it, you get rid of that, right? And that middle pile is kind of a tricky pile. You know, that pile, I, I told my wife, that pile is very emotional, you know, because that's stuff that I, I haven't used, but I plan on using it, you know, I... I plan on getting back into that suit. You know, I'm working on it. You know what I mean? That, that, that pile, man, kind of emotional. I don't want to throw that stuff away just yet. Some other stuff, yeah, we can get rid of that. Right? Then it hit me when I went back to the closet the next year. The stuff that was in that middle pile was still in that middle pile. I hadn't done nothing with it. Now I'm checking myself. I said, man, you getting any closer? To, you, 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 I know you want to get into that again, but are you doing anything about what are you doing? Then I found myself, some of the stuff that was in the middle pile started going into that pile. I ain't going to never use it again. Right? Here's my point. What I realized was as I was getting rid of stuff, I emotionally struggled with getting rid of everything at one time. So I had to go back and take care of some stuff. Now my wife is looking at me now saying, okay, now when we going back in the closet, right? I already, I already know. She already looking like, mm-hmm, yeah, all right, it's time for the next trip, right? But my point is, um, sometimes you don't get everything the first time. But you got to be willing to go back and look at it again and make some progress. Huh? Got, got to go a little further. You got to go a little further. Somebody, you might be saying, you know what, Pastor, I, I made some strides. Last time you preached this, okay, now we got to make some more strides. We got, we got to go. We haven't arrived yet. We're getting closer, but we got to keep on working to become what God wants us to be and allow the Holy Spirit to set us free from what has been holding us back and holding us down.